At The Ortho Show, we are proud to partner with Shoulder 360. Today's episode of The Ortho Show is sponsored by Shoulder 360. Shoulder 360, the conference, provides a comprehensive shoulder course focusing on shoulder repair and reconstructive surgery. Shoulder 360 will always continue to redefine the way we think about surgical education of the shoulder. They focus on new methods to engage attendees, encourage participation, and utilize new educational technologies for a more interactive experience. There is no death by PowerPoint here. Shoulder 360 aims to educate the spectrum of healthcare providers caring for patients with shoulder disorders. The target audience is practicing surgeons, surgeons in training, nurses, physician assistants, and physical therapists. Shoulder 360 wants participants to learn about the newest and best ways to treat their patients while enjoying a setting designed to foster lifelong friendships and collaboration. Trust me, the venue is awesome as well. Don't forget to use our promo, OrthoShow10, that's O-R-T-H-O-S-H-O-W, 10, the numbers for your 10% discount when registering. So another great episode of the Ortho Show podcast. We have Vani Zabason on, who is an orthopedic surgeon, who is a shoulder and elbow specialist in Privademics down in uh, Palm Beach, Florida. She has so much energy. I really adore this woman for all of the things that she stands for. Her brand is about education. She's passionate about resident education, changing the paradigm about how we're teaching our medical students and residents. So, so, uh, so fascinated by that. She talks about relationships as being so important in her life and innovation and coming up with new ideas and concepts and research and opportunities. I mean, so many pearls. Uh, we talk about the Ruth Jackson Society as well and Shoulder 360, a great, great episode. So especially for all of our young women out there that are considering orthopedics as a career, this is a must listen. I know you're going to love it. Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro. From medical media, this is The Ortho Show. Hello world, Dr. Scott Sigmund, your favorite opioid sparing orthopedic surgeon here for another episode of the Ortho Show podcast, where everyone knows we bring you the best of the best. We are so excited today. We have Dr. Bonnie Sabasin, who is an orthopedic surgeon, specializes in shoulder. Um, she's practicing in private practice down in Palm Beach, Florida. Not like cold up here in Boston. I know the weather's beautiful down there. But Bonnie, uh, what a pleasure it is to have you on the show. We thank you so much for taking the time. Well, thanks, Scott. I appreciate it and I love the invite. Oh, we're so happy to have you. Well, we love women in orthopedics and uh, so diversity. We like to get everybody involved here. So thrilled that you can take the time. So look, we always start at the beginning, which is, you know, where and when, where, where, where did you grow up? Are your parents doctors? How was it all about this orthopedic thing? Give us a little summary of how you got here. Well, yeah, I was a, an Indian girl in the Midwest. Um, we used to, um, joke because there was two brown girls in our class in high school and we used to talk like this like good Indian people <laughs> and so we uh, grew up there and then I I sort of left high school and went to Duke for undergrad and so on that journey I sort of walked on the track team you know Indians are not normally the most coordinated of kids and and you know and God did not bless me with height either so um so my senior year I actually decided to start running 
And so I ran on the track team, loved it, and then actually walked on at Duke to, to the track team. And that sort of started my journey on sort of me as who I am. And I've run probably 28 marathons since then. Um, and that sort of made me really get interested in orthopedics, right? Keeping people mobile, keep moving. And that started the journey. No, did I read somewhere that you are an Iron Man? I guess they don't call it an Iron Woman, but did yeah. you not compete as an Iron Woman as well and do really well or something crazy? What I happened? did, I did, yeah. So I, I was in med school and it's like, I took a year off and interestingly, you ask, right, diversity, there weren't a lot of women in orthopedics and this was about 20 years ago. And so I took a year off to make sure I wanted to do ortho. And I spent a year at Iowa and I trained with the Iowa City Triathlon team and I said, during that year of clinical research, I'm going to do an Ironman because what's the hardest thing I could do? And if I could do an Ironman, I could do ortho residency. That's super cool. And you did it. I did it. I love 12 it. 12 so, hours. And I think 50 some minutes later, I did it. All right. So as a general rule, when you're running that much, you're either running towards something or running away from something, which isn't for you. Well, you know, I think when you get off a bike after that 112 mile bike and your legs just feel like jelly, I think you're just convincing yourself to take the next step. Forget about running anywhere. Yeah, no, I think that's that's great. We have to get Chad Hansen uh, on with us as well. I don't do you know Chad? He's a he no. takes he takes care of the Raiders and the Golden Knights out in Las Vegas. He's one of our ortho laser brothers and sisters, and he is just an animal when it comes to these tri you know, triathlons and yeah. Ironman as well. So we should definitely get the two of you guys connected for sure. What's All right, so it's a huge accomplishment, you know. Oh, I mean, it's, you know, it's I'm happy to get off my Peloton after 30 minutes and not die. So, you know, God bless. <laughs> I love it. So so were you from Indiana originally or Midwest? Because you went yep, to Indiana. grew up there, born okay. and raised, Indianapolis, Indiana. Go Colts, Perfect. I would so say. You, so you saved a bunch of cash and you went to Indiana, Indiana <laughs> University Med School, right? That's you right. went to your state school. I did the same for University of Maryland and did real well. I was able still to succeed and go into orthopedics and so in med school at that point so you're running 28 marathons all this meshuggah stuff mm -hmm. i'm sure you had some stuff that was hurting as well along the way you probably had to be seen by some orthopedists but once you got to medical school was it definitely dialed in at that point that that's what you were going to do or did no, you, you know i i, I like surgery right so i thought about plastics i thought about OBGYN, and i realized i definitely like the boys over the girls for that profession and um and you know i really i really just sort of um took that time in my third year when i did research and that's really when it convinced me i also will tell you the first trip i had so you know this is a shout out to rjos if anyone knows anything about ruth jackson and this was like 20 years ago right 1999 and 90 or actually 2001 and I went to my first Ruth Jackson meeting. I got a scholarship to go to the academy. And Scott, you and I were talking about the academy, but think about it 20 years ago, what it was. And I went to New Orleans and I ate at a five-star restaurant and I got to meet a ton of orthopedic surgeons. And I went and saw the event space, you know, that in the, where all the vendors are. And I said, this is absolutely what I want to do for my life. Yeah. So for our listeners, the Ruth Jackson Society is a society for, for female orthopedic surgeons. Uh, and so uh, it's it's really very important. It's exceptionally well recognized. It's part of the family of the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgery as well. And, I, you know, it's interesting when I lecture to medical students and and such, they're all aware of it. You know, anybody that's yeah. thinking about orthopedics 
you know, joins that Ruth Jackson Society very early in their careers. Well, you know, it's incredible. They had the most attendees this year at Ruth Jackson, 360 med students from around the country kind of came and they did an entire research day. And then also a shout out to the Academy back then, you know, the Academy really has grown to sort of bring wealth into med students. And so embracing the youth and realizing that's the future, I think that's like such an inspirational thing when you're a third or fourth year med student trying to figure out what you want to do with your life. Yeah. And I mean, the numbers, it's still probably, is it, is it still six or 7% of all orthopedic yeah. surgeons are women? Yeah. I know that the percentages are, are increasing as we go. I mean, let's let's talk about that. Well, actually, before we get to that, I'm going to ask you that once we get beyond some more of your of your training. So, so you decide, you know, it's going to be it's going to be orthopedics, and then you're back to Duke. Now, yeah. was it your relationships that you had when you were at undergrad that helped you to get back to the Duke for residency, or how did that play out? Yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, I think you have a little bit. I'm sure you have a little bit of allegiance to your undergrad, and Duke at the time was still a pretty good basketball team, so that helped and people knew it but I think it was the training and the people that they put out you know they they joke and I actually had a mentor that was a hand surgeon at the Indiana Hand Center and he used to say are you going to become in the Indukwe you know and we call it the Induke we do this and then Duke we do that so they used to call them the Indukwe's at Indiana <laughs> and so um so I joined the Indukwe family but to, to be honest, I think it was really the the type of surgeons that I had uh, met as a mentee and the caliber of that training was really what sold me. I don't think it necessarily was that I had to be back at Duke. And was, was Larry Higgins there at the time? Or? He was. He was at the time. Yeah, that's uh, where he first started out before making his way back up to become partners with JP uh, up at uh, Mass General. And T. Mormon was there and Allison Toth was there. I mean, we had an incredible sports department. I mean, it's grown tremendously, but back then it was a powerhouse for that. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So so within the world of your, your residency, uh, you know, you decided it was going to be shoulder, elbow and sports too. I got to ask you, so you go to the Cleveland Clinic for your fellowship. Describe yeah. the fellowship for me. What was happening back then? You know, so back then it was it was definitely kind of a great dichotomy because Dr. Schick was there, Schick and Dance and Miniachi. And so we had an incredible sports experience. I got to cover some of the teams, but we also obviously were shoulder heavy. It was Dr. Ainani. We had Peter Evans, who was doing a lot of total elbow stuff and complex elbow stuff. So it was, and you know, at the time was um, Jesse McCarran, who's now at Oregon. And uh, it was a great fellowship. It was, I think, a well-balanced, just diversity and really thought leaders. Obviously, you know, no one can contest with Iannotti. You know, he commands a room and attention. And it was really cool to really see, and it really got me interested in innovation. The idea of technology in, in, in what we do, period. You know, it's interesting because innovation can go a lot of different ways, right? You as an orthopedic surgeon, you can say, ah, oh, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to get my own patents. I'm going to go in a lab somewhere and try and develop stuff. But more often these days, it's usually with some sort of an industry partnership, yeah. right? I mean, they are the ones that have the money and the resources to be able to have R&D departments and all of that that goes with it. Uh, but I, I mean, 
I think that, you know, I have always been an innovator as well, right? And I think yes, a lot of doctors choose sure. not to be, right? I mean, most of the time they're like, I'm just going to keep plodding on doing the same operations that I learned in residency and then the world mm -hmm. goes by, right? So you had some amazing mentors, you know, across that process and early in your career. And so did you, so did you side when you, when you were sort of done your fellowship, Let's, we'll talk about where you go, but what was your going to be? What was your focus going to be coming out of fellowship? Were you going to try and just be shoulder elbow? Were you going to do all sports? What was your What was your thought process? You know, it's interesting. You know, I think that sometimes, and I think it's always a journey. I think when we train young trainees now, it's always a journey for me to talk about because, you know, I think there's a path of like the least resistance, which is the traditional path. You go back to place where you train, you become part of the faculty and sort of, and that's sort of your journey and you get to join a family, right? And it's interesting because at the time there wasn't a lot of shoulder only jobs, right? Back in 20 years ago. And it was kind of an un, untested territory. And, um, and I went and started in a brand new med school, like Homer Stryker gave a hundred million dollars to start this medical school in Kalamazoo, Michigan. So I don't know if I ever thought I would be there, but I, I tell you, my entire career has been about change and innovation. And, and, and the things that I was committed to was I wanted to be an educator and I wanted to be a researcher. I wanted to ask why and answer questions. And I think that those are the two things I've committed my entire career. And it's been a journey, um, definitely. But that's kind of where I started, where I've landed. I kind of haven't left. And so how did they find you at the Cleveland Clinic? I mean, because that was one of the areas where you could start fresh because it was a brand yes. new school, new department. So you could come in and be the big fish, like literally right away. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting about it is they'd had a residency program there for years. Can you believe that? In ortho. And so I met, and this is where, you know, I tell trainees all the time, your journey is your path. And if you have to appreciate every moment and every person you meet, because you never know, they might change your life, change your path, find you a job, you know? And so I met um, the, the department chair at the time at a meeting and we had lunch and he sort of was like, this is where we are. But the program was so interesting because I trained at these big academic programs, big names, right? Like at Duke and Cleveland Clinic. And this is a small community pro program in Kalamazoo, Michigan, but they were doing amazing surgery. They had two incredible level one hospitals. And what I learned from that journey, that start was there are so many ways to skin a cat, right? There are so many ways you can get to the end goal. And sometimes I think we lose track of that, right? So they were doing great surgery, great lifestyle, incredible community. You know, I lived on a lake, I skied, I, you know, and it was just one of these things. It's like, who knew that you could like, the chiefs didn't even take weekend call. And I was like slaving it away at Duke. And this, these little, I was so mad as an attending. I was like, you gotta be Q3, you gotta do it my way. And they're like, no, we're just gonna do it this way. <laughs> and so you kind of, it's, you know, sometimes taking the goggles off or the lenses out and looking at things a different way shows you a different path. Yeah, and I, and I love what you said. I think that relationships, right? You never, you never burn relationships because you just never know. Even 15, 20 years down the road, someone that you had met along the way has this great new idea and they think of you and then you come back together. So, you know, life is a journey. Make sure you, you, you sort of shake hands and develop those relationships along the way. But so Kalamazoo, how long were you in Kalamazoo before you head to, uh, headed to Detroit? Yeah, I was there a few years, um, I think maybe three or actually four years. And then actually my life situation changed a little bit. Personally, I had a little bit of a, a serious relationship that kind of didn't go my way. And so 
I kind of looked for a different program, but wanted to stay in Michigan because I loved Michigan. And that's why I ended up in Detroit. Yeah. So tell us all about Detroit and Beaumont. Well, you know, and- does it, you know, talk about a, an incredible city. I don't know, Scott, have you had, I think you probably have, have you had Sharif? Like, what yeah, a, Sharif's driven me around and showed me the world for sure. Sharif is sure an incredible place. Like Detroit yeah. to me is an unbelievable melting pot. And it was honestly a surprise. It, it's someplace that that really kind of opened my eyes to a, a multicultural Midwest city that had been and seen a lot of days, you know, a lot of years from the auto industry. And so I'm going there to Wayne State to help resurrect a program that had been a powerhouse for trauma. And then literally, had shut down because of administration, CEO, whole dynamics. And then we were part of the resurrection. I was a program assistant program director and took it over. And then I watched that program actually journey into joining Beaumont. And so now those residents are all at Beaumont, all my residents that I trained there. So that was an incredible journey for me, more so to just see the history and the rich legacy, but also like how healthcare is all about change. And you've got to be adaptable and malleable. And, and sometimes you got to just be nimble. And so those were the things I think that that really taught me at Detroit. You know, I love it. I just really sense your your mentorship. You know, you take it very personally and professional to make sure that your residents and you've been passionate about that. You've stayed with that. That's something that you've always wanted to do. But give us some shout outs to Beaumont. I'm, you know, Mike Wider was there. You exactly. must have had some amazing so, time with him doing he did. You know, stuff. I don't know if you know the Wider family at all, but, you know, it's an incredible legacy. His father was an orthopedic surgeon locally, a legacy. And then there's Mike Wider, who's the oldest. And then there's the, he has four or five siblings. He has a trauma a surgeon, that's a, tra- a brother's a trauma surgeon. Brett's a hand and shoulder surgeon. His sister's a radiologist. I mean, the family is a powerhouse, but this is how much and how impactful it was. I used to drive across the state to do research studies with him. I would drive three hours there, do read x-rays all day long, and then drive three hours back home. Amazing. And so, you know, that was like my commitment. And, and, and you know, this is talking about relationships, Talk about, you know, 180 degrees or 360, whatever you want to say in reference. But, you know, 10, 20 years later, I get to be on a design team with him or a KOL to help enhance because he's always been an innovator. He's been an industry leader. He loved to push the limit. And that really fueled me. It has always been sort of exciting because they had a biomechanics lab at Beaumont and they would collaborate with industry and do really great stuff. Well, talk about the enhanced because I think that's a real. I mean, we don't we don't want to point out every. There's so many different right yeah. shoulder replacement prostheses at this point, but the enhanced I think is really exciting because first of all, the design team is just you know amazing doctors like yourself. Yeah. Are you were you on the team or I collaborating? Was not on the design team, no. Okay, but still I'm an advisory role. Yeah, but still, isn't it so cool? Like in one yeah. little box, you can have all of those things to do everything that you need to do. It was really smartly designed. We'll sh- give a shout out to Brian Hoderak from Ignite, you know, the yep. Warsaw guys, which yep. r- sort of helped to create that. I still, Warsaw, Indiana is the orthopedic capital of the world. Yep. You know, amazing you know, the work that they have done there for sure. Um, but yeah, so 
But I guess, you know, I guess it got a little cold up there eventually or something. I mean, you know, talk to me. All of a sudden, next thing you know, you're going down to Cleveland after well, you being know, there for a long time. This is about relationships, right? Yeah, so sure. uh, I met a bunch of incredibly amazing people at the Cleveland Clinic. And one of them was Will Barsoom. This guy is a powerhouse. He's a total joint. And I really felt like the clinic was like another family for me, like Duke. And so, you know, I still keep in touch with a lot of the faculty that had nothing to do with ortho, uh, with shoulder elbow. So Will Borsum was a friend of mine. I actually babysat his children and stayed at his house, you know, and so dial back seven years later, and he is the CEO of the Cleveland Clinic in Florida and wants to build a powerhouse in research and education in Florida. So he recruited me. And how do you say no to Palm Beach, Florida and Will Barsoom? So, and the clinic coming back to that, you know, in a better temperature for sure. And so it was, a, it was an incredible thing. And, you know, so he really was one of them. And so that was kind of an incredible full circle. And I'll just briefly diverge here for one other full circle. Brian Donnelly, who was the CEO of the Cleveland Clinic in England, his son is now one of my, his son, his uh, nephew is one of my residents now. So, you know, he emailed me 10, 14 years later and says, you know, I think you should look at my nephew and he's a, a incredibly gifted and he'll be a leader in the field. His nephew is a fantastic resident. I love it. Now, Will is, is a, an ortho show alumni as well. Now uh, has moved over to Hopco, which is interesting, okay. right? As far as uh, the healthcare consolidation that we're seeing across the country uh, as well. So, well, you know, that's a pretty cool opportunity to be able to move yeah. down to Palm Beach in Florida and be able to do amazing work. And uh, but then I guess that lasted for a number of years, four <laughs> years. But Vani yeah. is always on the move. She's always got always relationships. What's happening next? Well, you know, I mean, I think that that, like I said, so everything, every move has been still on the journey and the straight and narrow of research and education. That is my career commitment. And, you know, I think it's okay. I think one thing to maybe tell young trainees is it's okay to move. You know, it used to be the legacy. You stay somewhere for 20 years, you get, you know, you, you, you marry and you die there, right? And healthcare is changing. And so, you know, opportunities have come my way and it's been a journey, both personal and professionally. You know, and I didn't have kids till my 40s, right? So I waited. And so a lot of my personal life also is reflected in my professional life. It's okay, because it's been an incredible journey. And I've been super privileged. So what happened was a really great guy. I know I'm sure you've met and had, I don't know, if, has, has Howard Routman been on the show? Uh, he's he's we have not released his episode yet, but oh, we there you certainly go. have had Howard on the show. So, I love that story about Howard and reverse yeah. total shoulder is remarkable, yeah. but we can't tell it all now because we got to. Okay, see we won't. Episode. It's a preview, but he's yeah. an incredible person. You got to get to hear that coming up. And so Howard said, you know, HCA wants to start a residency program in orthopedic surgery, and they're interested in collaborating with the University of Miami. And would you be interested? You've been a program director. They need to start a new place. You wouldn't move. You're going to stay here in your local community and you're going to build a residency program and a legacy with Miami. And so I said, I thought about it, you know, and I talked to some of the Miami folk and really, but I mean, how do you say no to having resident trainees when there's 40% of residents and medical students not matching in orthopedics? How do we not create opportunity for our incredible profession? I mean, we're idiots if we don't think that we need more of us and better caliber and excellent people. I mean, there's incredible candidates coming out right now. 
And so we started a residency program. So I left at Cleveland Clinic. Unfortunately, I had a chair position in research. I mean, it was a hard decision. I will say that's probably been the hardest decision for me, you know, but really felt like we wanted what do what I want to do for the next 10 years. And I want to train residents and build the best, I think, orthopedic residency program in South Florida. But can I put a tiny plug in of why I did it? Yeah, it's your show, whatever you need. So here's the tiny plug is that I think we're changing the paradigm of how we train residents. And I think my entire career has been about a shift in how we are doing what we do. And what you realize in the new residency training paradigm is that, you know, residents get 80 hours, right? And healthcare is an, an unbelievably labor intense, um, administratively intense profession, right? So 80 hours can be gobbled up in so many different ways, right? And you have five years to ultimately train the guy that's going to fix your hip fracture. And so what you got to do is be thoughtful. And I think that the new paradigm is that residents and medical students are taught to learn how to take tests on their own. If you know anything about medical school now, they take these, um, is it Anki, Anki cards, okay? So they don't even go to class. They study and they take their boards and then that sort of sets their future. So they're taught to be independent learners. And if you've read and heard anything about ortho bullets, they tell you that, that it's not about spoon feeding them with you know didactics and PowerPoints out the wazoo and sitting in a lecture hall, that that is not the way adult learners learn best. And so what we created is a residency program, Privademics, where we do a high volume of cases. People are all in private practice. And the residents, my, I had a first year resident do 600 cases and they're doing them and there's no senior resident. There's no hierarchy of 12 people in a room. It's my resident with my attending and then a PA that's happy to let the resident do the job because that's what they're, do to the, they're there to do to train. And so we changed it. We turned it upside down and said, we're going to give you 80 hours of operative time. I pick guys that are smart, that are going to learn how to take a test and we're going to help them. We're going to provide all the didactics and everything, but we're not going to spend hours and hours rounding on patients on a floor, answering a pager, and then putting in orders. We're going to try to give you those skill sets and teach you how to do that, but we're not going to inundate you with that. We're going to try to make you really skilled surgeons. And then we hope that you have some good judgment to figure out a lot of it and being independent learners. Yeah, we used to work 120 hours a week, you yeah. know, uh, even more, depending on whether or not you were on call. And so all of that service part of what we did, you know, was was sort of there. All the things you've talked about, making rounds, drawing blood, putting in Foley's for crying out loud. You know, there was no EMR. Everything was handwritten back in the day. Mm -hmm. But now the, there's there's law, rules, that you can only work 80 hours. You're missing 40 hours. So if you're laboring in all of that uh, stuff that you need to do on the service side, you're not going to have enough time to learn what it is that you're learning. So I love the fact that you're getting them, you know, really good reps, rapid reps early on. So that's uh, that's fascinating. I'm, I know that Bill Levine is one of my dear friends and listening. So I'd be we're going to ask Bill what his thoughts are about that as well as one of the, the great trainers of orthopedic surgeons. So let's go let's go back to one of the topics that I wanted to talk about, which is. Your experience as a woman in orthopedics, you know, 20 years ago, as you as you mentioned, there were there were really no shoulder specialists or very few, I should say, yep. women yeah. that were, were shoulder specialists. So tell us about your experience. Were were you comfortable in the entire process? Were you always treated fairly? Was there any times that, you know, you, you weren't comfortable? Yeah. 
you know, I mean, I think residency was the first time that I sort of, you know, I think in medical school, we do an incredible job of inspiring kids to do what they want to do. And I think the world is your oyster. And residency was the first wake up call to me that things might be different and that, you know, that there's maybe still kind of what you'd call a glass ceiling in how we train and 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 honestly sponsor people's careers. And so residency was hard, you know. Um, I remember one of my co-residents, we had three women in my class and, you know, and she had maternity leave and she was older. She had come back. She was a physical therapist. She'd come back. And, you know, we didn't have a policy for maternity leave. We had no like ways to deal with that, right? Even now we were at RGOS 20 years later and they're talking about in a private practice, how do partners deal with maternity leave? And so it's an incredible thing to realize just it's so societally accepted, but so difficult when you're taking care of other people's lives and that responsibility comes on there and it becomes a sort of a question of whose responsibility is it then? So that was the first time, I think. And then I think the second time, you know, I used to get called nicknames, you know, in residency that were totally inappropriate, you know, and I was still single in residency, you know, and most of my co-residents were married and that put me at a disadvantage for a lot of strange reasons. But it was so interesting to sort of be in that paradigm in a day that it's kind of like now I just think it's an incredibly fun to watch young trainees now that are liberated, their husbands might stay home, they may have have a guy travel and follow them everywhere. You know, we in my residency had uh, some junior residents that were husband and wife in my class and, or in, at our residency. So, I mean, the paradigm has shifted. And I think to me, the biggest thing in my journey that I've seen as a female is just we've been, we sort of allowed it to be a feminized way of being. Like, I remember I used to dress pretty and, I, you know, I, I like to, I have eyelashes. I still, try to do, you know, be fun and cute. And and that sort of was looked down upon for a while. You kind of couldn't be competent and cute and, and, and an attractive woman. And I think that paradigm has really shifted and that's fun to see. Like, I remember my first interview for fellowship, they said, wear a black suit and maybe don't wear a skirt. You know what I mean? Can you imagine telling anyone that now? And so I, I think that's been a fun journey that we can still be females. I can have two kids at home and still have six residents that are my kids too. And 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 I try to normalize it as much as I can. I think that that's the important part that you can wear six hats and still be a fun female that gets to hang out at Shoulder 360 with the great guys. Yeah, no, I mean, there's certainly, I think the glass ceiling has has truly been lifted, especially you know for for diversity women in orthopedics. I mean, there's just tremendous leaders in the industry yeah. across all specialties at this point, and so I'm really happy that we, you talked about this, especially for our young you know uh, female listeners who are in medical school or in college who are thinking about medical school. That uh, there's been a, an enlightenment that's happened at this point, and you know we're always always looking to to check out your shoe wear, Ronnie, because you always got some cool <laughs> stuff at these uh, at these meetings for sure. So let, all right, let's move on to another topic. I really appreciate you sharing that. I think that was okay. Wonderful. But I have to say one thing. The funny yeah. part about it is that my husband is actually the fast fashionista between us. He okay, knows fashion better it. than everyone. <laughs> so it goes to show that the roles can be whatever it is. And my husband also is the one that gets assumed to be the orthopedic surgeon at, at any meeting that we go to. I love it. I love it. I love it. So listen, I'm not sure what it is with you, with you, uh, you deep shoulder people, but apparently 
you don't learn very well. You're like slow learners because there <laughs> there are so many shoulder conferences every year at this That's point. Right. It is unbelievable. I'm like, it's not possible to be able to learn something new each time you go to one of these conferences. But maybe we're just it. more fun, Scott. Don't yeah, you think you, about that? And yeah, we like to guys, hang out. You, you like to hang out with each other and have a lot of good times. <laughs> so yeah, so you brought up Shoulder 360 at the Ortho Show. Uh, we're partners with uh, with uh, Shoulder 360 again this year. We're very excited to be there live. We're going to be doing interviews as well. It's a really fun meeting that uh, Rafi and and uh, Paul and and Joe put together. What are you going to be doing there? Give us a little update or peek at what you're well, going to be doing at Shoulder I mean, 360. The, the drum roll, of course. But you know, first I want to do a shout out to the fact that. You know, my residents, obviously we're local, so we're near Miami. And so my residents went to that meeting and said it's it, it was the most entertaining meeting they've ever been to in their life. So, I mean, that's a shout out to sort of them and sort of how they do it, because I think the content's phenomenal at a lot of these meetings, but I think it's just sort of what they're doing. It's like, it's how they're doing it. But we're adding on, so not only do I get to be part of the faculty, which I'm thrilled about teaching and talking about, to me, controversial, but also kind of real practices of what we do sometimes we get esoteric in the shoulder world and sometimes you got to bring it back down to like sort of what are you going to do tomorrow in the or and how does that even make sense so i think that's kind of fun but the thing that i'm really excited about is we're doing a resident med school forum we're doing a morning series so you asked and, and mentioned bill levine of course the the leader of all you know and um and and uh, we're trying to, and Rob Gillespie, who's phenomenal, if you've ever met him, and an educator and a program director too. So we're all running sort of a, a morning series for the residents and sort of, it's like real life hot topics. And it's, it's, it's going to be fun. And that's kind of exciting for me. I don't know about getting up at 6 a.m. and how thrilled I am about that part of it. But, uh, but I definitely think it's going to be an added thing that just sort of, you know, I think what what the Shoulder 360 uh, guys do, what Paul and is they kind of turn it upside down in the sense of they sort of challenge us as as faculty to be challenged and to feel uncomfortable. And I think that's fun and also just different. Right. So that makes it fun because the audience gets to participate and just feeling a little being bonged, being pulled off the stage, being voted down, you know, and I don't know if anyone saw Christian Ard as a Frenchman, but I mean, you can't, you can't beat that. Yeah, we've had, we've had Chris on the show too. And uh, he gave us a little bit of French towards the end. You know, I, I, I completely agree with you. It's an innovative way to try and educate. I think it's pretty, it's very similar to what you're trying to do in residency, right? Enough of death by PowerPoint and all that. So yeah. for our listeners, you know, Shoulder 360 is a great course, even if you're a generalist, you know, orthopedic surgeon that wants to learn more about shoulder, you don't have to be a super shoulder uh, specialist, you will enjoy yourself, it's in a great location, it's a lot of fun, and it's a entertaining education, you know, for sure. So listen, Vani, we're, we're coming to a close here, and you know, I'm a brand guy, right? And so when I when I think of your brand, here are the things that really come to mind that, you know, education is just so paramount to you and uh, it's passionate, it's sort of your, it's palpable for you. Relationships, innovation, research, and seeking out opportunity, all of those things which you express so beautifully uh, to our listeners today. What a pleasure it is to have had you on. And we're so happy that you are now an Ortho Show alumni. Yay! We get a, <laughs> a pin or what do I get? When you come to Shoulder 360, you're going to get some swag. We give oh, swag. I love it. I love it. For Thank sure. You. 
Well, you know, and thank you for being such a leader. You know, I think it was so funny because Scott, when I told my residents that I was coming on the show, they were so excited. And I think you also have been such a leader in terms of changing the paradigm of making just relationships, fun leaders. And so the, the, the residents, the youth generation thinks it's so cool. They get to meet all these powerhouses through you. Well, that's exactly what we're trying to do. And that really made my day to know that we're sharing the stories of remarkable people such as yourself so that people get to meet them and know who they are personally uh, as well. So listen, you know, Vani, what a pleasure it is to have had you on the show. This is Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro host of the ortho show <laughs> till next time.